forgetting to turn it on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there we go. It's going, I think. <laughs> we have been uh, exploring the uh, the four noble truths, really. The this uh, invitation towards turning our minds toward wisdom and the practices that help us do that that the Buddha offered the, these understandings and a path of spiritual practice that he promised would lead us to the end of suffering not bad we'll take it it's not easy as we're seeing it's also beautiful I mean it's also moment by moment rewarding I hope that you're getting some rewarding moments too some moments where you feel free where you're uh, your continuity of mindfulness is, or your compassion, metta practice, is dropping you into this spaciousness of presence with the heart fully there, appreciation, you know, and uh, compassion, care, kindness, and just being with the world and being with yourself in a kind way. I hope you're having some moments of those. I trust that you are. So we want more of those. <laughs> we want more of those. We want to be working towards our our heart's deepest desire to, you know, here's a beautiful way of putting it that Adi Ashanti, the, the, the uh, Zen teacher Adi Ashanti puts it. Our spiritual longing is the longing of life to know itself. That we are inhabiting and exploring here. The longing of life or the heart of life to know itself. And so last night, Dave was talking very entertainingly about (laughs) clinging, suffering. The Buddha put it very succinctly when he said, one who knows clinging and the end of clinging knows the whole of the Dharma. So when I read that, it really piqued my interest, you know, like, okay, now, if that's the whole of the Dharma, what exactly is this clinging? What's he referring to with this upadana thing? Dave was exploring some of the ways that we experience the suffering of clinging and its root cause, which is in the second noble truth, craving or unskillful or unwholesome need or desire. That is the kind of desire desire for sense pleasures, for um, existence, becoming, the Buddha called it, our next self, Dave was talking about last night, or non-existence. These, the, a desire that is so strong we feel like we can't be happy unless we get that thing we're desiring. That's craving. It's not desire. We can have wholesome desires <coughs> that are realistic, that are in alignment with the truth of things in harmony with that but it's when they're not in harmony with that when they're coming out of this ignorance wrong incorrect views such as well if i just get all the ducks in a row in my life i'll be happy if i'll if only dave put it really well last night so that's craving that's what's driving the engine of our clinging which is all of the proliferating mind and emotional stuff that comes out of that craving. How can I get it? Why don't I have it? What's wrong with me? All of that. And when we attach to those thoughts 
and mind states, when we believe in them, when we're lost in them, when we cling. So there is, luckily, an antidote, a cure for this disease of suffering, dis-ease of suffering that the Buddha pointed to. And, and it's very simple, the cure is in the third noble truth. It's basically, he said, it's the ending of craving. It's the ending of this same craving. If we don't have the, if the, the, if the juice or the fuel is taken out of the engine of craving, then there's no more clinging, there's no more suffering. The remainderless fading away, he said, of craving. The uh, relinquishment of craving. In other words, letting go. Letting go of craving and clinging. Dave said, non-clinging is the thing we want. How do we get that? How do we get there? Non-clinging is freedom. And non-clinging is letting go. If clinging is grasping, holding on, Like everybody just grasp your fist right now. Hold it tight, hold it tight. And feel that. Feel the sensations of tension. My nails are digging into my palms. Very uncomfortable. Well, not that, you know, but you know what I'm saying. Relatively. This is tension, contraction, discomfort. Now let it go. That's letting go. There is this relief, there's relaxation. So the letting go is just the opening of the hand of grasping, if you will. So I wanted to explore some aspects of letting go this morning and we'll do a practice that is a wonderful example of 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 a type of letting go. There are all different ways of letting go, some easier, some harder. This is pretty easy, as long as we are able to, you know, control our hands. For those of us who have that capability, this letting go of holding on with our hand is easy. Maybe even sometimes you've been noticing and practicing as you sort of scan your attention through your body and feel the tension there. And in different places, feel the, the areas of the gripping in your body and that's, that naturally arise, you know, or are there. And you send some an invitation to release. We all kind of know how to relax our body in certain places. Certain place of our bo- places in our body we can let go of. Other places, not so much. I'm wondering if you may have run up against any places of endemic or habitual tension in your body as you've been exploring it. Yeah, me too. That's one of the things that's been kind of eye-opening as I've practiced mindfulness of body. It's like, wow, geez, my belly is always tense. Um, It took me a couple years to learn how to release my belly in my practice. It was just I habitually held on in there. Um, so couldn't just suggest, say, okay, belly, let go. No. I'm a, it might for a second. Then when I turn my attention back there, it's like, boom, back. Tension's back. So we might have noticed this. It's like we let it go, then it comes back. The sort of rut of the body of clinging, of holding on, comes back. I had one of those, and it's interesting to explore these areas of endemic tension and to give them kind of attention and vipassana explorative mindfulness like what's going on here you know let me sense into these sensations 
there I've had, you know, and I still have an area of habitual tension in my eyes, my eye area, you know, this, this sort of thinking posture. <laughs> and of course, that's what I would feel every time I woke up from being lost in thought. Well, I'd feel tension in my face, among other places. People are nodding. Yep, yep. It's like, I, oh, I guess while I'm lost in thought, I'm going, I'm like this. <laughs> that's not relaxed. That's not letting go. That seems to be clinging. That's okay. So you know, um, I I would have this attitude towards that, like I should get rid of it. Like there was God. Why can't I get rid of it? It just became so big and huge and headaches and you know it was really through through retreats there was so much. It just it became quite unpleasant and difficult. And uh, I and I realized why it was difficult was because I was resisting it. I was wanting it to go away, and I didn't know how to make it go away. I did not know how to let go. Did not know how to let go. And these are this is the the difficulty we have with our mental habits of holding on, our emotional um, habit patterns of clinging, our the habit of just believing in everything that our mind kicks up, of being lost in and overwhelmed by emotion. All of these long-standing habits of clinging that are, by the way, not our fault. They're just, they've just developed through conditioning in our lives. That is what we're facing. That's what we're dealing with in the leading edge of our present time experience. All of this past conditioning is manifesting in these ways. So with the eyes, I just, you know, sort of remembered some instruction somewhere to just, I just decided to start practicing with it instead of resisting it or wishing it would go away, feeling like it was interfering with my practice. I was like, well, all right, let me just look at this. Let me take my wise mindfulness vipassana practice and place my attention there in that area of my body. So I did. I practiced with that for, you know, a couple of sits or whatever. I just kept watching. I just kept returning my attention there. That was my object, the tension in my eyes back there. Letting it reveal itself, sensing into the the different sensations there. I call it sinking the attention down into that place. I've heard Dave say, pouring the attention, sinking it. And at some point... It became clear at, that the eye, first of all, I started to notice that what was really the tense stuff was the eye muscles themselves, the eye muscles, and then the surrounding that was supporting the eye muscles as even though my eyes were closed, my eyes were habitually looking. And then it was suddenly clear, it revealed itself, that the eyes were looking down the road, like out into the future, trying to look out into the future, down the road, then it was suddenly clear that it was a strategy for safety. The eyes were trying to prepare for what was coming to help the systems prepare. It was like one of the ways that this this mind-body system had been habituated to bracing against life, that tension. And it was all unconscious, so all of this, the, the, what was the little engine running it was the, the craving for safety, and then the view that unless I kept vigilant, I would not be safe. 
And that was all to be found just by looking at my, the tension in my eye muscles. So we can understand sometimes how to let go by looking at the holding on. That's when it's one of those things that won't respond to the kind and compassionate suggestion to let go. (laughs) (laughs) Which there's a lot of those things we run up against, the important thing. We just start working with it with our vipassana. And our vipassana practice will, our wise mindfulness practice vipassana will will reveal the sort of why of the clinging. It will reveal, let me see, I had it really good. Mindfulness discerns clinging as clinging. It discerns the holding on. It discerns the tension, and then the causality behind it will reveal itself, like those background views and the cravings. So we'll see all that with mindfulness. Then wisdom discerns that this is unwholesome, that this is suffering, that this is unskillful, contracting, blocking of the heart. Wisdom discerns, wisdom, mindfulness clearly sees, wisdom clearly discerns the difference between wholesome and unwholesome and clearly prefers the wholesome. That's built in. That's (coughs) built in. So our natural, innate wisdom will just... I mean, you know, when I saw, obviously the pain of my face was telling me this was not beneficial. It was interrupt. It was interfering with hindering my practice, <coughs> hindering my ability to contact my heart because I was in pain, right? And then as I saw that what was being really wanted at the core of that clinging, then I could start to address that need in more wholesome ways. Always Vigilant staring down the road wasn't necessarily going to keep me safe. I mean, sometimes, you know, that's a, it's a human. I got to see, too, that it was evolutionary, that this is how human beings and all animals are evolved. So I could forgive myself for that. It's not my fault. And also I could look and see whether or not it was actually that strategy was giving me what I expected it to, what the systems were expecting it to. Was being tense in my eyes and constantly at bracing against the world really keeping me safe? And what was the nature of safety? So it opens up a whole other avenue of, of mindful investigation and reflection. And, you know, I can, you can, we can, when we see what the need is underneath the clinging, we can, we can start to meet it with, we can start to meet that need in wholesome ways. How can I feel safe? Am I safe in this moment? In this moment right now, am I safe? Do I need to brace against life? Oh. And that's a beautiful on, on, onward leading that I'm still exploring that question, those questions. What's worth holding on to is the question that arises when we start to explore clinging. So the mindfulness discerns clinging as clinging. The wisdom discerns it as something we want to Release and the compassion, the, the, the compassion lets go. Compassion, self-care, self-metta lets go. Because it's painful to hold on, to cling. Because we start to see all of the outcomes of clinging. You know, all uh, the very least, we are blocking our, our natural hearts, you know, with all of this <coughs> obsession to control and 
so on. You've seen it a gazillion times already, this retreat. Being lost in thought, clinging, waking up, feeling the difference. Waking up to just presence. Discerning, you know, feeling through your direct experience the difference. That's why Vipassana, as Dave said last night, is our, the big gun, the big guns. Wise Vipassana, wise mindfulness, which has compassion in it, which has metta in it. That's how we work with these endemic habit patterns of clinging and holding on. And it's through the the understanding that it's a backfiring strategy is what lets go. We actually just start to lose interest in that activity of mind, the clinging. So there is an area of um, practice. We can, we can practice this. We can practice letting go. We can practice letting go by practicing recognizing clinging. We can practice letting go by asking ourselves, what, how can I let go in this moment? You know, we, we practice letting go in our daily life all the time by, by reflecting on what's important and what's not. Don't sweat the small stuff. That's a letting go practice. And through the course of our, our meditation practice life, spiritual practice, the small stuff gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Can you imagine? Don't sweat death. Don't sweat it. It happens. Oh, that's big. Don't sweat. The Buddha said, don't sweat when somebody is cutting you limb from limb. <laughs> you know, if, you're not, if your heart is full of ill will rather than metta towards that person. You are not practicing the Dharma. Like, woo! (laughs) That's pretty big. The small stuff gets really big. And, you know, I mean, that may seem impossible to us right now, but as we go on, it's like less and less, seems more and more, as as we go through this process of recognizing and letting go of clinging, it's like, wow, I can't believe I let go of that habit. But there it's gone. It's sort of gone or really quiet. It's really nice that I don't beat myself up as much as I used to. I still do, but not as much. That's been a habit that I've released, a really endemic habit of clinging. Okay, so what we're gonna we're gonna practice a form of letting go this morning that is also one of our heart practices. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a letting go practice to me. Because what we're doing with forgiveness is we are turning the mind toward the heart of letting go of holding on to resentment and anger and blame and shame. And this is, you know, a really helpful <laughs> practice. To, as with everything, what we, what we want to start with is recognizing that we're holding on and when we're holding on, Right? recognizing the signature of it in our body and mind, holding on to usually, you know, something that's happened in the past that's hurt us, someone else has hurt us, we've hurt ourselves, a situation in the world that's hurting us. And we're holding, and instead, our strategy seems to be, at least this is what I've seen in myself, that I, I hold, I, rather than feeling the hurt, rather than turning toward it as Dave suggested and mentioned in compassion practice the other day, I try to avoid that hurt through various strategies. Blaming. 
It's that. It's their fault. It's outside of me. It's all their fault. Blaming, getting angry. Anger, when we're consumed with anger, clinging, lost in anger, and the stories of anger, the storyline. Anger has is not capable of forgiveness. So when our mind and heart is filled with anger, we are not going to be able to find ourselves, you know, our way to forgiveness. We might need to use our mindfulness practice to 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 explore the anger a little bit. You know, anger can only think of revenge and ill will. That's what anger. That's the spots on the leopard of anger. It kicks up thoughts of ill will. And it's not our fault. It's simply the nature of anger. It's simply the nature of resentment. So we start to see this as we turn toward and explore. And then to feel the pain of it. Uh, Not only of the... We start to sink our attention down and feel first the anger, resentment, explore that, and then we will see as we sink down that there's... This is on top. This is a... Anger is a regulation strategy for hurt. Down we go. And just feel the hurt. So in the way that I uh, like to practice forgiveness, I start with compassion practice. The same compassion type of compassion practice that Dave offered the other day. You know, feeling into the situation that, that, I, that I'm holding on, still holding on to some anger and resentment about, I haven't resolved, I haven't let go of, there's clinging there. And then I will try to do my I'll explore a little bit those feelings the 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 thoughts and whatnot that whole landscape of of anger or resentment a little bit and then I meet and notice it's painful and try to meet the pain with a compassion practice like I see you I feel you and um what was the third one Dave I care about you you. (laughs) thank you I care about you. I see you. I feel you. I care about you. Um, and so we can start with the compassion practice, meeting our hurt and anger and resentment with that. And from any compassion that we sort of generate there, or we can start. Compassion forgives. So that's why I like to start with compassion. Compassion forgives. And then we can start to uh, experiment with some forgiveness phrases. Uh, you know, I, I, I use a lot of words when I'm doing forgiveness practice myself, and so you'll hear me doing that, because I'm, I'm, oh, I'm like trying to deal with all contingencies when I'm doing forgiveness. I'm trying to like include everything. One of the things that helps me towards forgiveness is like some skillful reflection on the, the, the context around which the person who hurt me or my, if it was me hurting myself, what was going on with them to try to generate some understanding and compassion about the conditions under which they were operating, right? Like we're starting to see in our practice how very difficult it is to work with compulsion and habit and clinging. And we are not alone there Those people who hurt us are also laboring under those conditions. And if they're not practitioners, then like the Buddha said in that second dart, 
uh, teaching. They know no other way. They know no other way to deal with their agitation and anger and compulsions to act out of that anger than just do it. They have to do it. They know no other way, and we've all been there, right? We've all been there. So to sort of reflect on that and and to, to know that these patterns are really hard to work with, they take time, and to recognize that the person who acts out in, in anger and hurts people is suffering very badly under these under, is they're clinging. <laughs> they're suffering badly. So if there's any way that we can sort of view the situation in the larger context, that can help to bring us toward compassion for them. Forgiveness can come out of that. So I include that kind of stuff in my phrases just to turn my mind towards that possibility. Like, I'm going to offer some phrases right now and, you know, take or leave what works for you. I say things like, after the compassion practice, I might say things like, for if I'm offering um, forgiveness to someone else, I might say something like, for all the ways that you've hurt me, I forgive you. Just start with that and then pay attention to myself, what comes up as I say that to myself. And then I might say, and then I keep adding on. I mean, that might be enough. That might be like I start to feel a release, but usually not. <laughs> so I might need to do some more. And I might say something like, uh, um, whether in thought, speech, or action, whether from ignorance or compulsion of habit, I offer my forgiveness. So I'm including the recognition that people are not They are not at fault. They don't deserve this personal kind of blame and hatred and resentment that I'm holding on to. That, in fact, they are acting out of these causes and conditions, many of which they are out of control of, even if they are deliberately hurting, even more so. There's so much ignorance there in the mind that's deliberately hurting. And so I bring that phrase in to see if, you know, it might loosen some things and I watch and see and I'm with myself and I just keep attending and mindful. And then I might say, if it's necessary, you know, if, if, I'm, not, if I am not able to, to forgive now, I leave open the possibility for forgiveness in the future. So I'm like kind of covering all bases in my forgiveness <laughs> practice. I'm like, <laughs> so I invite you to, you know, find your own phrases and or keep it simple. You know, George Haas does this forgiveness practice that's just, I forgive you, I forgive me, I forgive. I forgive you, I forgive me, I forgive. It's really simple, these words. And we see the little suggestions we're making to turn the mind to the heart and then we see what happens. And if what happens is no way, there's no possible way I can forgive, then we can start to investigate that, the blocks. It's very important that we see the blocks. And then we also want to keep, keep meeting with compassion. And if it becomes overwhelming, to, to titrate. Turn our attention to, to calming, peaceful, beautiful and pleasant experience on purpose, right? So we can collect ourselves again and try again.
think that's all I have to say. It's quite a lot. So why don't we take a moment to sort of stretch a little bit. Uh, if you want to stand up before we do our passage. Yeah, I'm a half-hour talk giver. They always tend to be around a half hour. I can't seem to get them any shorter. It's interesting that I, I noted that just even saying the word forgiveness brought up emotion, very strong emotion with people. It's like saying the word compassion. Very powerful. A powerful word. And very often with these heart practices, when we use the language of the heart, it brings our attention to all the ways we have been blocking or not feeling our heart. And that can be very strong. It's called the backdraft. The backdraft. Very, we can get very strong rushes of feeling. And this is normal and natural and we are you know it will it settles down with time as we become more and more comfortable with letting the heart in it doesn't need to rush in with quite so much force so taking a posture that will support alertness in a comfortable way find that comfortable body as best you can And just taking a moment, it might not take you very long at this point in the retreat, to gather your attention the here and now and find some consistency, continuity, and find an object to settle into that feels good, is restful, is pleasant. the spaciousness of sound, the faraway sounds, the close sounds, or the simplicity of the breathing. Or some area of your body that feels good right now. The sadedness of having just eaten breakfast. Maybe taking a pass through the body and seeing if there are any places of tension or gripping. And doing a little letting go practice right there with your body and seeing what happens. Carrying attention to finding comfort and peace in your body as best you can. And if that's just impossible right now because of pains or aches or whatever, just use something outside, sound.
And if it if it uh, is helpful for you to connect in particular with your heart center, that part of your body where some the sensations of the heart, compassion, and metta live. To sense into that area if it feels right. Maybe even trying breathing into that area of your body, breathing in through the heart. Letting the refreshing, clean in-breath spread through your body and out through your heart. Breathe in through the heart center and out through the heart center. Or just feel warmth or whatever in your heart center if that works for you. from this place of stable attention I invite you to experimentally bring to mind a situation in your life where you've been hurt let's see if we can choose something you know whatever comes to mind but it doesn't have to be the very biggest thing in your past just something that you know is unresolved that you're still holding on to a little resentment some anger about. And when you do bring this situation or relationship or moment to mind, notice how you feel. This is the power of thought. This memory can actually generate feelings just like what happened then. Maybe a little less intense, but this is normal. This is how we humans operate. So we're using this imaginative capacity skillfully this morning. And as you think about this situation, noticing any feelings, emotions that come up, if any, recognizing them, and seeing if you can feel them in your body. And settling your attention in a place in your body where you're feeling something, if anything, And of course, if nothing happens, that is perfectly fine too. We're not expecting anything. We're just exploring, experimenting, and then seeing what happens.
if there is any pain or painful emotion that comes up, experiment with meeting that pain with compassion. Putting your hand over your heart if that feels okay or over that place in your body where you feel it. Just saying the word compassion. saying, I see you. I feel you. I care about you. (coughs) So as we think about this situation where we were hurt, where we feel anger, blame, resentment. We can start by acknowledging the feelings, exploring them, feeling them in our body, meeting them with compassion. And at some point, perhaps starting to experiment with offering forgiveness. And it may be helpful to envision this person in your mind's eye, recognize the conditions under which they were acting. We are not trying to forgive the act, but the person who's acting out of ignorance and compulsion. So we experiment with these phrases. For all the ways you've hurt me, I forgive you. For this way that you've hurt me, I forgive you. Say something like that. See what happens, what comes up for you. There's a tightening or a loosening. Other emotions coming up, you can pause and be with them, offer compassion to them. You take it slow. Whether your actions were from compulsion, of habit or ignorance, whether in thought, speech, or action, I forgive you. I offer my forgiveness. However it is for you right now, knowing that this will change. So we just keep experimenting and see. If it's not possible for me to forgive right now, I leave open the possibility of forgiveness in the future.
I forgive you. Continuing on in this way, with whatever words or even just images or the feeling, the wish of forgiveness. Can I forgive? Questions, whatever sense into what might work for you. Experiment. And if any of the feelings that are coming up are just too unbearable, too overwhelming, let it go. Take care of yourself. And switch your attention to this peaceful, the peaceful or comfortable part of your experience, whether sound or just breathing, the sensations in your feet, something neutral. Steady yourself before coming back. You might be going back and forth with this titrating. For all the ways you've hurt me in thought or speech or action, I offer my forgiveness. I forgive you. You don't need to believe it. Just say the words and see what happens. you who lets go it's compassion who lets go and you can't force it Keep continuing to practice compassion, forgiveness. See what happens. get distracted, no problem. Just come back to your object of meditation, which is the forgiveness phrases, the compassion, or the mindfulness of emotions as the emotions arise.
invite you to take a couple of deep breaths and let go of this situation. Feeling your breaths all the way through, letting go. Letting this particular storyline situation release. If you can. And now we're going to experiment with offering ourselves forgiveness. So whether or not a particular situation or perhaps habit of mind or way that you hurt yourself arises or if you just would like to offer a general forgiveness to yourself. For all the ways that I hurt myself in thought, in speech, in action, I forgive myself. Whether from ignorance or compulsion of habit, for all these hurts, I offer my forgiveness. I forgive myself. I'm noticing what comes up. And feeling your body, feeling your mind. Meeting whatever comes up with friendliness, compassion, as best you can. I see you. It's okay. I see you. I'm just seeing. I'm just allowing right now. I need to see what's in the way of forgiving myself. And what am I holding on to? (coughs) Starting to sense into the clinging itself. What prevents me from letting go, from forgiving? We drop these questions in and we let our body and our emotions answer. We just watch. If I'm not able to forgive right now, I keep open the possibility of forgiving myself in the future. to end with some well wishes some metta 
May I be happy. May I find ease, no matter what the conditions. May I find my way towards letting go, forgiveness and compassion in my heart. May I know the greatest happiness, which is peace. And may all beings everywhere know peace. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.